Alright, so we've been looking at decision making and uh, one aspect of that is prudence and discretion. We've pretty much been looking at prudence the last lesson. We'll finish up with discretion and then we're just going to go into some general things about uh, decision making. So we'll pick it up here um, with discretion. And so we're looking at Proverbs 2 verses 9 through 12. So <clears throat> in this particular section, it says, uh, you'll, you'll discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course. Wisdom will enter your heart. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul and discretion will guard you. So all of these things are working together to uh, make us a complete person and to give us all the tools that we need. So we all understand the need for knowledge, wisdom, Righteousness and justice, discretion is just as important as all of those, and uh, understanding as well. So, all of these things are there to deliver us from the way of evil. So, it helps us to see that way and deliver us away from it. Basically, to put us on a different path than we would have gone. And that's, in a way, how it guards us. Any comments on that or questions? Kind of diving right in. So, uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, my son, not let them banish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So these are important things. Um, it's kind of interesting that those two items are put together because uh, we see the value of wisdom. Discretion is not something that we talk about a whole lot, but sound wisdom and discretion are very important as a uh, together. Proverbs 5 and verse 2, My son, give attention to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding, that you may observe discretion, and your lips may reserve knowledge. So again, we're putting all of the pieces together so that we can have a complete picture. You know, I, I think it's one of the reasons why it might be together is that Solomon, uh, he had wisdom, but he didn't always practice discretion. Yep. So they're key to have together. Yeah, and, and some of these things like uh, understanding, knowledge, and uh, justice, they don't always bring along with them wisdom and discretion. So, um, and that's kind of the biggest big distinction that we've been making is, is that uh, we need to have that extra piece, that prudence and discretion that helps us to take all of the information we're getting and make good decisions about them. <clears throat> Next verse here is uh, Jason's verse that he asked us about. <laughs> Uh, as a ring of gold and a swine snout, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. So since you got the chance to explain it to Mike, <laughs> why don't you go ahead? Well, it, was just, it was just one of those things that it doesn't matter what she looks like. You might have the prettiest woman in the world, but if she is not what she needs to be or she isn't, uh, you know, she doesn't practice discretion or good choices, you know, it's all for naught, really. Yeah. It's kind of like taking something valuable like a ring of gold and putting it on a pig's nose and, and letting him go roll in the, in the mud, right? Having beauty and no discretion is kind of wasting beauty on, on uh, someone who, with discretion, would be a whole lot more beautiful than, than she is. I told him, I said, if you find one with both, giddy up. Yes. <laughs> That's how they're, we ended that. They're out there. Father's <laughs> <laughs> well, conversation. <laughs> A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can give a discreet answer. Isn't that the truth? I love it. 
<clears throat> so what's, that's telling us basically that um, you can't reason with a slugger. He just thinks he's smarter than everybody else, and so no matter what you say, he's got a better answer. So we've seen before where you can prove a slugger, um, and about the only value that's going to bring is to help someone who's naive to gain prudence. It's not going to help the slugger at all. And so <clears throat> discretion for him would be very important because he could use that to see that he's not really as wise as he thinks he is. In Daniel, I thought this was interesting. Um, this is where Daniel is. Um, he's one of the advisors uh, in Babylon. And they've decided that all of the wise men, including Daniel and his friends, uh, have failed the, the uh, king. And they're all going to be killed. And so David sees this, uh, the advisor going around, and he, this guy, Arioch, and he replies to him with discretion and discernment and asks him what's happening. What's the reason is from the decree? Why is it so urgent from the king? And so then, then Arioch informed Daniel. So what I found interesting, it doesn't tell us what he said. It tells us how he said it. And so that turns out to be maybe more important in this case than actually what he's going to say. And so sometimes how we say something is far more important than exactly what we say. And uh, we find that very to be very true. Uh, and so with that, there's some amount of interpretation that goes on in, in that. But discretion and discernment coupled together gave Daniel basically a chance to save all of the advisors of Babylon. So um, just because of the way he responded, he was able to save people. A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. Um, that seems to be a little bit... I had to think about this one for a while, but um, what I came out of that with is uh, a careful thought and consideration will result in better behavior. So generally, when we come away being quick to anger, how do we usually feel afterwards? Bad. Yeah, it's not really what we wanted to do. And so having some amount of discretion will keep us from doing that. And then it will, uh, it will overlook a transgression, probably the transgression we were about to commit just before we caught ourselves <laughs> using our discretion. And so sometimes, sometimes having our discretion in, in uh, good working order is going to keep us from doing things that we don't necessarily want to do. And then the last one, this is where, um, <clears throat> this is in the New Testament. You notice almost everything we've been looking at is Old Testament. But in Timothy, he tells them that uh, to, for the women to adorn themselves modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments. And so that the idea there is that she's to be sober-minded, self-controlled, temperate, sensible, um, and think about it. So maybe the most important thing about how you dress is stopping and thinking about it before you do it. So um, uh, adorn yourself with proper clothing modestly and discreetly. Think about it. Use your self-control. Use your prudence. Use your good, think, good thought. And uh, what happens with clothing sometimes when we let emotions get in, in the way of how we make that decision? 
We've got to look better than anybody else. Yeah. Have a little bit more expensive shoes or jewelry. Or right. Something. And if we don't have the right values, yeah. then we'll push that, mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. we get ourselves into all sorts of trouble. So. I'm like the parable when the rich man comes in. You know, you say, "Come down here," and the poor right. man, you sit at my feet, right. or stand over there in the corner. Uh, right. It doesn't work that way. No, and that's. The, uh, the people in that case who were standing by watching that are the ones who needed to, yeah, to okay. square that away because they, even though these people were dressed in certain ways, they shouldn't have let that influence them and they should have used discretion. All right, so looking at all these things, let's just do a summary of kind of where we've been. So the idea of prudence um, will give us knowledge and it will help us eliminate our naivety. So we'll be more... Uh, aware, we'll be more knowledgeable, um, and we won't be as naive. We'll be able to deal with knowledge better. We'll be able to consider our steps, which is really what we've been talking about. With look at, take if you're going to make a decision, look at the possible outcomes. Well, these are steps, right? We can consider that step, or that step, or that step. So we can consider our steps. We can understand our ways as we look forward and decide which way we're going to go. We'll be crowned with knowledge. We won't brag about knowledge. Uh, we'll be able to keep it, keep knowledge to ourselves without allowing it to puff us up. We'll be able to look ahead, foresee, and avoid evil and act cautiously. We'll be able to be preserved because of our, our prudence and our discretion. We'll be able to keep our angry feelings from causing us to sin. We'll be able to be reproved without having problems with that. We'll be able to keep silence in evil times, cause us to be prepared, cause us to have wise speech, and allow us to be discreet and operate with discretion. So those are all very valuable uh, aspects of trying to make good decisions. And it, it starts all the way from the beginning with knowledge to looking ahead, picking out the possible steps, evaluating them, picking one, and then moving out on that decision. So we learned quite a bit here about prudence and its involvement in our decision-making. There are a few other things about prudence that we're not going to cover, but um, prudence allows us to manage our talents and our resources better. It allows us to deal with financial things better. It allows us to, um, to uh, manage pretty much our, um, our behavior a lot better. There are a lot of examples of prudent behavior in the, in the Bible. Uh, many times we find these people avoiding persecution because of the way they're doing it um, and avoiding all sorts of negative situations. So, and prudence in Christians is a very good example of the outside world. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's among other things, but then that's one of the main things that that people look for. I yeah, when, when they see a person who can make good decisions mm -hmm. and evaluate things correctly mm -hmm. and, and seems to and have a... And overlook a lot, slow to anger, you know, right. all of the Those are all positive attributes that will, mm -hmm. will help us to be a good example. So now we're going to go and look at just some general um, topics related to decision-making. We have looked at this process last time uh, of identifying what decision we're going to make, getting the information, looking at all the alternatives, weighing all the evidence, choosing a final solution, acting on that, and then looking backwards to review that decision and make sure that uh, it's going the way we expected it to. And if it's not, we'll come back and we'll repeat the process to make a better decision. So. Um, 
one of the things in this, and we're going to kind of look at this from just a, a making good decisions in a godly way. Uh, we look at 1 Kings chapter 22, 4 through 5. It says there that um, he said to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to battle? So he wants the king to go with him in battle at Ramoth Gilead. Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am your, my people is your people, my horses as your people. Moreover, Jehoshaphat said, to the, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire first for the word of the Lord. So that's probably our first step always. First step is stop and inquire to God. What is it we want, you want me to do? Now there's a number of ways to do that. Uh, probably the most obvious is prayer. But what are the other ways that we inquire? God's Word. God's Word. Um, especially there, what are some ways we probably don't inquire? Some people look for signs. Mm -hmm. I've heard people drive around the parking lot waiting for a sign from God to find the right parking spot. <laughs> you're probably not doing something right if that's the and way I think Jehoshaphat in this case knew in the back of his mind it wasn't a good idea. And so, yeah. But he would have had any. Done and, for popularity. And we know that sometimes too, don't yeah. we? We know oh, sometimes yeah. <laughs> something we're about to do isn't a good idea. Uh -huh. And if we stop long enough to think about it, we know it's mm -hmm. not a good idea, mm -hmm. but sometimes we just push forward. And, or we might lose a friend over it, or, you know, if we don't stop it. And we talked about that counting the cost, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Sometimes mm -hmm. we need to count the cost because the cost is higher than we think it really yeah. is. Um, so wise decisions are made by discerning the will of God. Um, God delights in revealing His will to us, and he, His uh, will is clearly revealed. So in James 1.22, He says, But prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. So in line with this, if we gather all this information and then we do nothing with it, it's really not going to help us at all. So we need to take it all the way through and be doers, not just thinkers. Um, so sometimes we make good decisions, sometimes we make bad. Um, sometimes we have issues and we're going to look at some issues with making good decisions. But many times it's just that we don't stop and ask God for His help. <clears throat> okay, so what is decision making? Um, it's a process that includes making a choice or a judgment about an attitude or an action. Decisions are an act of the will. Are always influenced by either the mind or the emotions. So this idea of the will is very important. We're going to spend a little bit of time looking at that. Um, so decisions are an act of the will. So generally what we're talking about here was either the mind or the emotions. Which one of those two is the most important? <coughs> the mind. The mind's the most important. Can we be devoid of emotion? No. That's not a good idea either because sometimes we make decisions that are that look good on paper but they lack the love for others. Those are bad decisions. So we can't just take emotion out of it. But we got to be careful that we aren't driven by emotion. We can't just let emotion sway us um, either way because that's that's when uh, bad things happen. So we got to couple those things together. So. Um, our decisions receive God's blessings when we're willing to obey God. They should be based on God's will. Uh, they reveal the desires of our heart. I think that's a, an important one. Sometimes when you want to know what a person 
is all about. You just look at what they do. And that's probably one of the best ways because usually in speech they can fool you and even fool themselves. But in action you're actually seeing more of what they're about, what their uh, focus is, what their desires are. So many times our decisions show what the, the desires of our heart are, what are things are most important to us, what things we really want the most, and uh, generally they're an act of our will and our humility. So in the Old Testament days, when you wanted to make a decision, uh, what was one of the ways that they made decisions back then? That seems kind of odd, and we would pray with question. Yeah, casting lots, basically, mm -hmm. right? What's the idea of casting lots? Why was that a God's good idea? God's decision. Yeah, so that was their way of putting in, in God's hands. And if it were that easy today, that would be okay, but how do we do that today? Right. Right? Study, have the right attitude, have the right focus, have the right desires, have the right feelings, um, and so, and have the right will, and having humility. So, casting lots was the way they did it back then, but that was just a way of saying, let's put it in God's hands. Let's let it be His will, not my will. So, what is meant by will? <clears throat> so, it's kind of like a prism. The word reflects many different sides. So there's different meanings to this. When making a choice, you're communicating your will. So that's what you want, what you desire. The word will is also used to express the desire or mandate of someone having authority. So God has a will also. And generally what we're doing with decisions is trying to line those up. Sometimes what we end up doing is clashing those two. Our will and God's will clash, and then we have to make a decision about whether we're going to, which way we're going to go. So another meaning of that word carries the idea of having a disposition to act according to one's desired goals. So a person, child having a strong will, you kind of understand what that means. And what do we do when that's us? When we have a strong will. Kind of tame that, don't try, we? Try to tame it, and tame it in the right direction. Yeah, so generally we're working on that with humility. We're trying to take the rough edges off of that and, and make it more uh, able to, to be influenced by someone else's will. And uh, so further use of our own will, <coughs> further by use of our own will, you can exercise power and control over your acts or your emotions, which is really what we're trying to get to is is this. We're trying to take control of our actions and take control of our emotions by stopping long enough to put it all together to make a, a better decision than we would have make, made. So we find uh, Jesus in uh, Luke chapter 22, 42 saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And that's really our model, right? Our model for how we're trying to Exercise will is we're trying to put our will second or last and put God's will first. <clears throat> so that really means that we're trying to be submissive to God. And uh, that will be our best way to do that. So that's kind of a, a backdrop or a, a something we always look to when we're making decisions is, is how do I line my will up with God's will? And, uh, 
So that takes a little bit of thought sometimes. Okay, now let's look more at, instead of will, let's see, instead of our will, uh, let's look at the will of God. So God has a perfect will. So in what way is God's will perfect? He knows what what we should be doing. Yeah, and he, he's kind of set the standard, right? Mm -hmm. So he has the authority, he has the standard, mm -hmm. he has he has the track record that says he can back it up with action. Mm -hmm. And so we can't. And so God's will is perfect. So when we find ourselves in a clash with that, we have to remember that God's will is perfect. His plan's ideal, his plans are good. Uh, but God also has a permissive will, which may be not good for us sometimes. Sometimes it'd be better if God just said, do it. Oh, he would. Yeah, and then we would know. All right, we, know, we now see these clear black and white boundaries, yeah. but, but God doesn't draw black and white boundaries. He puts them there, and he lets us violate them if we want to. So he has a permissive will, meaning we get to exercise our free will. And sometimes that means we can go against him. Um, that's not what we want to do, and that's one of the things we've got to get control of. And then God's prevailing will is the third. So that means that God's will will always come out on top. So we have his will, our will. We're, his will is perfect, ours isn't, but we're allowed to exercise it even against his, but he will always win. When you put the three together, it kind of tells us we're, what we ought to do. We ought to, we ought to try to stick with his will because his will will always be um, the top one in the, in the final analysis. So <clears throat> in Job 42.2, he says, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. So we just can't change anything that God's doing. So in that, that should give us a motivation to want to do the right thing. So what kind of decisions are pleasing to God? So here's, here's some things that, that are pleasing to Him. So decisions that He initiates. How does God initiate decisions? Commander law. Commander law. So we have in his in his word we find him tell us do this, don't do this. Mm -hmm. um, does God influence or or change our life in any way? If he didn't, we wouldn't pray for things, yeah. would we? Mm -hmm. So sometimes God sends people to us for help for them or us. Sometimes uh, things happen to us for our good. Like sometimes we need to have a little more humility. We may find ourselves in a situation where we'll learn some, and that may not be good. But he, he does initiate things for us. And so sometimes he initiates decisions, and we need to make sure that we line up with those. Decisions that line up with this word, and we've kind of been saying that all along, that if we want to make good decisions, we, we make them against his word. And what did we talk about earlier that keeps us aligned with his word? We have to know his word. And we put it in our conscience, right? And our conscience then works with us to keep us between the white lines and keep us from straying. Decisions that accomplish his purpose are, are good decisions. Does he have a purpose? Mm -hmm. 
what's what's some some of the major purposes of God? To dwell with Him for, for us to dwell. With him. He wants us to be with Him. Mm -hmm. <coughs> he wants us to obey Him. He wants us to love Him. He wants us to love Him. He wants us to rely on Him too. And that's a key thing. And I think a lot of this decision stuff underlyingly is that. This is our way of showing Him how much we rely on Him. Showing Him that we trust Him and count on Him. And so those uh, decisions that accomplish His purpose, sometimes it's a decision that will help us teach others, which is also His purpose. And uh, decisions that depend on His strength rather than ours. Decisions that result in giving Him the glory. Decisions that promote justice, kindness, and humility. Now that's kind of a somewhat touchy one because you kind of have to define what justice, kindness, and humility are, right? Because it's not the worldly versions of those. Um, sometimes we think justice is paying evil for evil. Well, that's not justice. <clears throat> that's not godly justice. So decisions that promote justice, decisions that reflect his character, that's a tough one because uh, that means we got to be very, very good with our decisions if we're going to reflect His character. Decisions that come from faith, that's really important. Decisions that consider the interests of others. And we looked at that a couple lessons ago. Remember with the, um, the meat sacrifice to idols? Mm -hmm. And our whole focus there was we're not going to make decisions that are going to harm others. Mm -hmm. So we're going to put them above us. So they're, we're looking to the interests of others. And then decisions that are bathed in prayer, that's a that's kind of a key one. I think if, if we spent more time doing that, um, we would be better off. Any other things you can think of or kind of along those lines? It's a fairly fairly long laundry list. Alright, so we can get into various methods for for decision making. There's six here. By the way, this material um, this particular section we just entered into is, is from a, a person that has a bunch of different uh, uh, books and stuff that seem to be pretty good and so we're pulling stuff out of those. So you'll find that you know, these all start with a D, some of them start with an S. So I wouldn't have done that, but, but that's the way uh, this material is organized. So <clears throat> and we're pulling this stuff out that, that is, uh, I think, useful to us. So a dramatic method of making decisions. Not um, good. No. <laughs> Sometimes we just want drama, right? Dramas. Uh, we call people drama queens because we just love drama. And sometimes instead of just making a good decision, we just want to, we just want a lot of drama around it. And when you do that, those decisions generally aren't going to be good. Uh, sometimes uh, in different religions. Uh, the dramatic method might be asking God for a sign, uh, but but for our our purposes, it's more about just creating a dramatic situation. Defaulting method. How would we use that defaulting method of making decisions? Go ahead and do what you want. Just do what you want to do. Yeah, default to whatever whatever feels good, whatever looks good, whatever you want to do. Another might be that we just default to what. I don't want to make a decision, I'll do what Sheila wants me to do. What do you want me to do? And many times we default to other people's uh, will instead of our own, and that's not good either. 
not so much that others don't have a good view for us, but they may not have the same goals or the same uh, standards that we have. Delaying method. We'll get to that next year. Yes, we'll cover that at the end. Yeah. Yeah. What do we usually call that? Procrastination. Procrastination. <laughs> so when, it, when usually when we procrastinate a decision, what are we kind of really hoping for? Solve itself. It just goes away, solves itself. Eventually, we won't have to make this. Yeah, and usually um, at work, this is kind of a standard technique for for when you want to make a decision. Generally speaking, when you do that, I, I feel like decisions like that are worse than making a decision and having to be wrong. Because at least you're moving in a direction with the delaying method, you're stuck. You're not moving forwards. You're not doing anything. Deductive method. Um, so this is using uh, human deduction and reasoning and in spiritual insight. Um, and sometimes we get a little more analytical in this. Um, and rely just on logic. So we need to bring a little emotion back into this. Deductive method's not, there's nothing wrong with, wrong with it on the surface, but if we get it to be too black and white, too, um, too uh, pure, too logical, we kind of miss the boat sometimes. Desirous method. This is kind of the opposite of that. This is where we let our emotions control ourselves. When we let our emotions control our decisions, what happens? Sometimes it's that if it feels good, it must be good kind of mentality. Um, did God intend for us to make decisions based solely on emotion? No, because if we're going to follow His Word, that takes a whole lot of logic, doesn't it? That takes a whole lot of analytical thinking, a whole lot of analysis and, and self-control. Whereas emotion is kind of the, I'll just do whatever I like the most, whatever feels the best. What animals do. It's, yeah, this is, if we were more like that, you know, we, our separation from the animals would be a whole lot less because we just kind of do whatever um, seemed to be right at the time. And then the discerning method is kind of the best method and that's where we kind of put it all together. Um, we try to look at, have insight about what's going on. We try to look kind of at the decision model we just said where we, where we put together um, all of the factors and uh, look at the possible outcomes and put all of that together with logic and with emotion and with God's word and we, we come up with a much better decision. So these are, these are some of the ways that we'll make decisions um, that help us to to come up with uh, our final outcome. Now, we don't necessarily start out just by picking one. I think today I'll use this method or that method, but we do. We just kind of default to those things. Um, an example of some of this might be uh, if we look at Noah. Noah had a decision to make. God came to him and said, mankind is awful. I'm going to kill them all. I want you to build an ark. Well, he has a decision to make. What are, one of, what are some of the factors that he's going to see in building this ark? 
about to have a lot of plays that have never even rained before. It's never rained, so he doesn't even know what rain is. He doesn't know, he doesn't why, know why a boat would even be helpful. What's the real problem here? Is the problem that there's too much water on the earth? No. The problem is there's too much sin on the earth. So wouldn't it have been better if Noah would have built a church? No. That's not what that's said. Because what would have happened? He would have been floating. He would have been floating with the rest of them, right? He would have been drowning. Would have been knocking on the door. Now, why wouldn't that have been a good solution? Because it wasn't God's. It wasn't God's solution. And what did God know that Noah didn't know? That everybody else was evil and they needed to be destroyed. Noah start over. Hopefully, things would be better. Were they going to change? Yeah, they no. changed for a while, but no. How long did he spend trying to convince them? 120 100 years. You think that's long enough? If they aren't getting it after 50, you know, maybe they're not going to get it. But God knew that. And so, but from Noah's perspective, he looked kind of silly, didn't he? He's out there building this big boat uh, out in the middle of probably dry land. And so he had to make himself look silly. So Noah focused not on what he thought the answer was, but he focused on what God told him to do. And so he did that. He asked God to bless his own, his, the plan that he had given him instead of doing his own. And so uh, Noah understood he didn't have all the information, so he just did what God told him to, and that worked out well for him in the end. <clears throat> okay, so we, we talked in that model of, of uh, decision-making about uh, evaluating alternatives. And so... There are different ways of doing that, um, and so there are tests we can use. And these are these are tests that we can use with our decision. So I don't think we'll get through these, but we'll hit a couple of them. So uh, a scriptural test: um, Has God said anything about this thing in His Word? So we go to His Word, we find out: Has God ever spoken about this? Um, has God ever given us any instruction on this? And so that's kind of the that's kind of our basis of everything right there is is it something God would be pleased with? And so everything that God gave us was for the purpose of figuring out whether some something is good or not good. Now the second one, a secrecy test. This is would it bother me if everyone knew that I did this? Is that a good when you put it all together, it's a it's a decent thing. It's not good all by itself. Right? Yeah, I had a, I didn't give that one my first one. Yeah. But you can look at it and say, if I did, if I took these five alternatives and I looked at each one and I said, what if somebody saw me do that, 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 or that? Well, first I look at it from a scriptural viewpoint, and I look at it, you know, maybe it's can I eat meat sacrificed to idols? Yeah, God said it's okay. And then I look at it and say, well. What if somebody knew I was doing this who, who couldn't eat meat or felt like it was wrong to eat meat sacrificed to idols? Well, in that case, um, you might make a different decision because you wouldn't want them to see you doing that. Sometimes it's actually, we kind of skip this one and go to this one, and then we realize, oh, I wouldn't want anyone to catch me doing that. And so sometimes that will stop us. Um, so these are methods that we can use for um, determining whether a particular option is good or not. So a survey test. It's a social media test. Yes. 
what if everyone followed my example? What if everyone knew I was doing this and they they had a chance to to comment on it? What if what if I asked five people what would you do? And they would certainly give me your answer. <coughs> what your mo mother used to tell you about that one? If everybody's jumping off the cliff, you're just going to go follow right? So sometimes the, the survey test, not so good either because depending on who you're asking, they just may have different uh, criteria for what they're doing. So, um, But that it's a, coupled with everything else, it, it does help. Sometimes we'll look at it and say, yeah, if nobody else is willing to do that, then I'm probably out on the blame here by myself. And there's a spiritual test, which seems like scriptural would be the same thing, but this one is, am I, am I being, am I making a decision based on spiritual outcomes or physical outcomes? So can I do one to the detriment of the other? <coughs> you can. So You can sometimes make physical decisions that harm your spiritual side. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna have to decide between physical and spiritual, then spiritual clearly is the, the right answer. So am I being led by, sometimes we're just, peer pressure is involved in this one as well. Sometimes we're just led by people wanting you to do what they want you to versus what the spirit wants you to do. And so are we following um, the spiritual lead? Are we trying to come out with a spiritual outcome? Stumbling test. Could this cause someone else to stumble? Probably also ourselves would this cause us to stumble. And uh, <clears throat> what might be an example of a stumbling test? There again, with Paul eating meat. Eating the meat, like goes to Bible. So it was okay for him to do it. If there was not anybody there who was going to cause us to stumble, but if there was, so yeah. there's two different situations that we have to take into account, I think, too. And we've talked a little bit about going into certain establishments mm -hmm. where we don't want people yeah. to see mm -hmm. us. You know, yeah. It might cause someone to think the wrong thing. Yeah, we, we just avoid that. But probably it'll occur, but our conscience won't let us do it. Correct. And then our conscience catches us. Yeah. And so that stumbling test sometimes is a good way to, to catch yourself before you do something. <coughs> All right, we'll pick it up there on uh, Sunday.